This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. This is TSN 1050. Mike Hogan keeping you company here in the one chair until Scott MacArthur takes over at 1 o'clock. Gareth Wheeler usually here. He'll be back on Thursday, I believe. Uh, coming up between now and then, uh, we've got uh, we've got some football talk from either side of the border. John Crick from the Toronto Sun and Post Media. And uh, we'll get some NFL talk in with uh, him as we get ready for oh exhibition week number two. Too many games. Like it's, it's funny because I don't know what the right solution is because right now they run four preseason games in the NFL, and that's too many. And then you've got two in the CFL, and that's not enough. And then if you have three, then some team's going to get screwed out of a home game and a home gate every second year. So it's I don't know how I don't know I honestly don't know how to do this. I don't know what the what the solution is. I know one of the one of the reasons that the CFL schedule is 18 games and the NFL schedule is 16 games. Um, like people don't go to NFL exhibition games. Like you'll you'll watch the games over the next month and you'll see a lot of empty seats. And same thing for the CFL, right? I mean, who wants to pay top dollar to go watch an exhibition game? So they basically took two of the preseason games and made them regular season games. So it went from 16 to 18. There's some logic there. I just don't know what the right solution is. And uh, and John's going to talk about the, the preseason, obviously. I haven't spoken to John, who, uh, among other things, basically the team he is closest to uh, when it comes to covering the team is the Buffalo Bills. And I haven't spoken to him since uh, the Bills made the two trades, uh, one with the Rams, one with the Eagles, last week. So we'll get his thoughts on that. And apparently his family has cursed Jeannie Bouchard. We'll get into that a little bit as well. And uh, Don Landry will uh, drop by as well. Um, longtime broadcaster in the market, obviously. But uh, we'll talk about the Argos with and without Ricky Ray as they get ready for Montreal on uh, Saturday afternoon. Jeff Johnson and I will have the uh, the call for you here on TSN 1050. Four o'clock is when it starts. And a reminder here uh, on Toronto Today... Our thanks to the folks at Lease Busters for being part of the show. And it is so easy to get out of your car lease at Canada's number one lease takeover marketplace. Lease Busters. Avoid penalties and early termination. Go to leasebusters.com. Uh, we have a poll question up, do we not, Mr. Producer Man? Joe Narsa on the other side of the glass. I didn't even realize you had posted a poll question today until the break. I did. And I asked you about it. And I forgot that you were going to post it. I know. When did you post it? I posted it about 10.15, if I'm not mistaken. See, that's why. I was already sitting here doing what I do in here. What do you so do I in wasn't, there? Well, that's a good question. But I wasn't paying attention to your Twitter poll. That's one thing I was doing for sure. So the, the, the I'll just retweet it here. The, uh, the question is... We asked, which Raptors home game are you marking on your calendar as a must-watch for the 2017-2018 season? Is it the Golden State Warriors, January 13th? The Cleveland Cavaliers, January 11th? Celtics in town, February 6th? 
And it's the one I voted for, the OKC Thunder, March 18th. Oh, you're really into that traditional uh, rivalry between the Raptors and OKC, I see. That's nice. Two reasons why. I'm excited to see um, Paul George and Westbrook together. And I hope I get to have Brian Davis on because he's the best. Oh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a big OKC Thunder guy outside of the Raptors. Oh, I thought you were a Patrick Patterson fan. We should say Brian Davis is uh, is the play-by-play voice of the Thunder. Davis and I go way back. Uh, he was in Chicago, and then he was out in Seattle and kind of popping all over the place. Um, one of the more entertaining guests that we have on the radio station. We have to We have to find a way to either get the Raptors in the West or OKC in the East. Yeah, or, I don't think that'll work geographically, just for obvious reasons. But hey, if the Dallas Cowboys can be in the NFC East, so can Oklahoma City, which is geographically roughly due north. We tried hard to get Durant here. We could have had him as our Kevin Durant insider, but that didn't work out too much. That could have worked too. Yeah, and I don't think he'd want to be the Kevin Durant insider anymore. Yeah, he wasn't too happy about the leaving part. Well, if you if you've got courtside seats. For that team and that duo, why would you want to see it broken up? And when they had Serbs there as well, right? They had kind of the big three going. That was a fun team to watch. They just didn't do anything in the playoffs, really. But, you know, they had some other pretty good teams out there at the time. San Antonio, they're all right. But I hear you. So OKC more so than the Eastern rivalry. Yeah, I I mean, okay, this is how I look at it. One of them is the defending champs. Yeah. And that's always fun to watch when, you know, the Splash Brothers and Kevin Durant and everybody else that's a star comes to town. The Cavaliers, they're our, like, they're Toronto's uh, rival. But I don't feel like the Cavaliers feel like the Raptors are their rival. So I don't really see much of a battle. The Celtics, we've had this conversation before. I don't think the Celtics are better than the Raptors. So, but they're pretty what? damn close. Oh, Scrizz is what? on the mic Scrizz now. is not happy. What? Do you not watch the sport? I do. They and are the Raptors are probably the sixth best team in the East right now. Because ESPN said that. No, because the Bucks are going to be better. They had injuries last year, and they still almost beat the Raptors. Mm-hmm. The Celtics are probably the only team that can beat Cleveland in the East. The Wizards are still better. So, I don't so, know. You, you, so I'll put you down as not undecided in terms of what the Raptors have done in the offseason. No, they ha- they're not better than they were last year. They lost year. a ton of depth that they have to. They lost all their they, defense on they, their bench. Yeah, they really have to hope that some of these kids can play. Yeah, you're right. You're and hoping you, DeLon Wright can step in the Corey Joseph's shoes. Corey Joseph's like a top 25 point guard in the league. And you also hope that uh, the, that Miles can continue to hit threes at the rate that he's doing. That should help them offensively. They should be a little bit more consistent. How, how frustrating was it? When Pat Pat or Carroll would have the open three in the corner, and either they were going to go off five out of six on a night, or they were going to go one for eight. Uh, they were so damn streaky. Right, but the fact that those players are no longer with the team, but Miles is and just their additions, I feel like makes them a better team. Miles because, is just a streaky. But they hurt. They hurt defense. Like Carroll was just not Carroll for whatever reason. But Pat Pat would still play defense. Right, but the issue is he was still a liability on the court, and that was the biggest issue with Patrick uh, Patterson because not really defensively I, I he was good before his injury. He was not a liability. Defensively yeah. he was good, but you were basically playing with four men offensively unless he played a good game once every three weeks. And that was a big dis- difference from the Patrick Patterson of the year before, mm-hmm. who was at Agreed. least being able to contribute. Whereas, I don't know, I just look at the Celtics and I feel like they're still a, they're still behind the Raptors. I mean, I would, uh, What do you mean still behind? They weren't behind last yeah. year. What do you mean still behind? We'll see. 
I'll, <laughs> we'll see. I'll put all $9 of my checking account against <laughs> whatever. I love the we'll see when you have just been defeated in an argument. No, we'll it's see. so that he gets to see me being right in the future. How much would, okay, I want to witness this. And I'm not going to talk about a monetary exchange here. You two have to have a bet now about the regular season and who has a better record. Are you both willing to do that? Because you both seem very firm in your convictions that one team is going to finish ahead of the other. I guarantee the Raptors don't finish top four in the East this year. And I guarantee that they finish ahead of the Boston Celtics. Okay. What if they finish fifth and finish ahead of the Celtics? Then you're both wrong. Well, Chris is going to be wrong. You're both right. (laughs) I haven't been wrong since 93, bud. What's the wager? There's got to be a wager here. Hmm. So we're both on Leafs lunch this year, too, so we can probably do something with that. Okay, you guys think about that. You go away. You do your little, uh, you do, uh, your little stuff. What's the, uh, what's the, uh, rate or the uh, poll result right now? Sorry. So right now it is tied between Golden State and the Cavaliers. Well, of the, course it is. And then the Celtics are at 20% in second, and 12% in third is OKC Thunder. And you and three friends have voted for the OKC Thunder. And Brian Davis. And Brian Davis, who was obviously uh, just glued to this. I'd court. rather watch the Brooklyn Nets game when Demario Carroll comes back to see how many people throw stuff on the court at Demario Carroll. Is that fair? I think so. After the contract that he signed and I mean, the not, comments that he made it, when it's, he left. It's, yeah, that's true. It's not like he went out and didn't bust his rear end when he played. He just couldn't get it done. Like, there are guys you can boo for mailing it in, right? Or, you know... I, I I didn't like all he said on the way out. I, I concur with that. But at the same time, people asked him the question and he answered it. Yeah, but in Toronto, our industry, Toronto fans we, are sensitive. I just uh, think he's going to get booed out of that building. It's not like he was Vince saying, I'm not going to dunk anymore. Like, it's, he didn't leave that way. Right? No, but then his comments made ESPN and the uh, Steven Jackson comments after that. Like, mm-hmm. people just took that and ran with it. Yeah. See, I think Skriz is right there. I think he gets booed because... Of the fan base of sensitivity that when he left, he aired out dirty laundry. Yeah. And it was like, just leave. And it was your decision to play here. And he even said a lot of his decisions were kind of outside of the realm of basketball. It was like about family, about yeah. the city. And ultimately, he knew he kind of wouldn't work in the system. And then he still kind of bashed him as he was leaving. Mm-hmm. But granted, I mean, from what I've dealt with DeMarco, he was a good dude. But just it didn't, it didn't transition very well for him on the court. The times that I uh, had the pleasure of speaking to Damari Carroll, either in studio or uh, over the magic of telephone, a very engaging guy. I, I liked what, how should I phrase this? I liked what he was supposed to be for the Raptors. Like, the, it's easy to look back and say, what a terrible move by Masai Ujiri. And, you know, you, you can look at trends and was he the one year wonder, the one year with Atlanta, and they, they bought him at exactly high value, which worked out for Carroll? Or was he a guy that was supposed to come in and, you know, uh, cover guys and bust it and be that sort of presence that is always working hard and be able to contribute occasionally offensively? That's what I expected. Just didn't see it. So, from, you know, from Masai Ujiri's perspective, right guy. Just didn't work out. Um, I would think that if I would have to uh, to vote on this, I still I still would want to see Cleveland over Golden State. Uh, just there's the LeBron factor. Uh, it's a it's a you know a divisional game, an Eastern Conference game. Um, that's sort of the rivalry that's kind of been building from the Toronto aspect at least. Um, hasn't really been much of a rivalry. It certainly wasn't this year for Cleveland, who you know they were the windshield and the Raptors were the bug uh, when they met in the playoffs. But I, I, I would I would go Cavs. Skriz, are you all in on the Celtics now? No, I voted on the Cavs as well because they're also, of those four teams, the most likely to change 
rosters from now until that game. I, Kyrie, yeah, that's Kyrie true. could be gone. Yeah, that's Porzingis true. might be coming to Cleveland yeah. or Carmelo. So. Isn't it funny how Knicks fans hated Porzingis when they got him and now they love him? <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of those things. Um, I'll, I will be honest, though. I don't know the infatuation with the schedule when it comes out in basically any sport. It's not the schedule. Even in the NFL, when the schedule comes out, what, what, the only thing that I'm intrigued by, by an announcement of something, is when you get the opponents list that comes out in the NFL because you don't know who you're playing outside of the games in your own division. Like, you literally, you, and you know that it's going to be whichever AFC conference it goes through, in the case of an Eagles fan, the, sort of the other conference. You rotate through West and, 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 and North, and just you, you, you finally arrive at a conference. So you know what, what that is, but you don't know who those other games are against. And you're trying to figure out, is it going to be a tough schedule? Is it going to be, uh, uh, okay, it was a non-playoff team, but is it, is it, is it a harder schedule than it should be? Uh, did we get the benefit of, of an easy schedule if you're a fan of a team? That's, that's basically the only one. Weeks 14 to 16 for the fantasy, uh, fantasy lovers. Oh, I see. oh, okay, yeah, I guess you could get in and look at matchups as well. But, but for the most part, I guess if you're going to go fantasy, that's one way of looking at it. But for the for the most part, schedule comes out. It's okay. We know who they're going to play. When they play them, really doesn't affect me, unless I have planned a winter vacation and you know you're going to spend uh, you know March in Miami. You hope that the Leafs or Raptors are there, or uh, you may want to plan your vacation around. You know, hey, the Leafs are in Vegas on this night. I want to be in Vegas for that. You, you, as soon as the schedule comes out, you book your hotel, you buy your tickets. Like, I'm not a fan of the Buffalo Bills, but I'm always interested to see who's in September and October because it's actually a nice time to go to Buffalo and watch a game. You don't like going in November? I don't have a have, jacket that can survive have that you been, game. Have you ever been to one of those cold-weather games? I went to the one game. It was snowed down December when Peyton Manning was there. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Don't get me wrong. I had to drink a lot to keep myself warm. Oh, there, there's, there's that. There's that excuse. I went to a game, and it, sh- it didn't look like it was going to be that cold. Like, I, I wore everything I could, but I actually had, like, the jersey underneath the coat because I thought there might be an opportunity. It was a playoff game in January, and it was in New York. It was at uh, it was in New Jersey, the, the Giants-Eagles. MetLife? At, uh, no, the old one, at Giants oh, Stadium. Okay. And on one side of the field, it looked great. We were on the shady side of the field. It looked fine in the sun. I don't think, Scrizz, I have ever been that cold in my life at a sporting event. It was unbelievable. And it didn't look like it was going to be that bad. But you're just standing there, and you know, you're know you in the shade, and it started to get darker and get a little colder. I think it was a 4 o'clock game. It was, no, actually, it was a 1 o'clock game. And it was, but as the, as the shade was taking over... It was brutal. I went to a November game against the Dolphins when Cleo Lemon was starting for the Dolphins. Former Argo, Cleo Lemon. November in the rain in Buffalo, most miserable three hours of my life. Because of the game or because of the weather or because of both? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. The company that you were keeping at that time? Uh, It was a decent company. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, as long as you're prepared, as long as you do the layer thing, usually you're okay. I was, I was just that was on me for being the idiot and not wearing sort of the parka on the coat, on the thermal, on the all of that stuff. Um, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll get some CFL talk in. Don Landry will drop by, uh, who covers uh, the league for CFL.ca. We'll take a look at the Raptors and uh, sort of hit the Argos and um, you know life without Ricky Ray. First up, though, we'll uh, talk about football from the other side of the border. And joining us from Post Media. 
and the Toronto Sun NFL columnist, Mr. John Crick. How are you today, sir? Doing well, Hogue. How are you? Very well. I have to get this out of the way because I don't know whether to mock you or applaud you for it. <laughs> um, we all know what a pain in the rear end preseason football can be, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes, and you're always kind of curious to take a look at some of the rookie performers around the league or guys who are playing for a new team, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're on the same page. What you did was look at the rookie quarterback performers in preseason week one and, right. and rank them. Yes. <laughs> now I get, okay, you're going to write about a rookie and what he's doing with a new team. You rank the performances in a preseason game? Are you I insane? Uh, yes, that's besides uh, the point. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> Where did that Everybody one come from? I was talking about all these guys all weekend long, and so I thought, well, I was just going to put them in by order their draft, you know, for starting with Trubisky and going on down the nine drafted rookies who played, in addition to eight undrafted rookies who played. And I thought, well, this is kind of boring. Why don't I just kind of spice it up a bit and rank them in the order of what I thought were their best performances? So there you go. Put my neck out. Okay, what'd you learn? I thought the two nicest throws, I don't know if anyone saw the highlights of it, were uh, from Deshaun Kaiser, the Notre Dame guy. Ta-da! Oh, for you, there I we know. go. Thank you, sir. Nice Your played. hand is on your heart, as I say this, and I'm ha- sure. And, and how much pain are you going through to be able to say that in public? None at all. I've got no issues with Notre Dame. <laughs> Just when they play Michigan, when they have the courage to play them once every decade or so, then I root for Michigan. <laughs> okay. You know. Do you think uh, he's going to be any good as a pro? You know what I do? I was at uh, Brown's camp. I think we talked about that last week. Yeah. But I thought that he has uh, he he just seems to be. I'm surprised at how comfortable, and especially off these two highlights of these two long throws that he threw. One of them with a free blitzer just coming right at him. He knew he was going to get smoked, got smoked, but he got the pass off, and it was the winning touchdown pass. So it was a Peyton and catch, a, right? Jordan yeah, Peyton. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was. A, he had a 52 yarder, and I think a 45 yarder. And 45 yard is one that won it on a fourth and two. Yeah. Um, but he looked, he just looks comfortable in the pocket. And he's got a great arm, which he's showing off and people are seeing. But just his awareness in the pocket, I, I thought at Notre Dame, and you, of course, have watched Notre Dame more than I did, but I thought that that seemed to be one of the things that was holding him back mm-hmm. was just good awareness in the pocket, especially in clutch third or fourth down situations, late game situations. He seemed to kind of clutch a bit, but boy, that, that was nice. So, I think that this guy's probably going to win that starting job. If not at the start of the season, then soon into it. I guess the more eyes, though, would be on Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago, right? Because there's there's yeah. an opportunity at some point maybe for him to take over in the season. He's not going to start at QB, obviously, but they, they want to get him in mm-hmm. there at some point, don't they? Well, they're kind of not talking that way. And the buzz inside camp was that, no, I mean, he's, when I was there, the I don't know, it was third or fourth practice, he was – He's, and he still is, I guess, third string behind yeah. both Mike Glennon and, and Mark Sanchez. It's the off-the-field stuff, like we talked about, is all the things that they have to learn, the pre-snap stuff. They've, you just got to master that before the coaches and your teammates will trust you being on the field. And so, and it's just a, it's just time. It'll take time, but boy, he showed off some wonderful skills. Just the way he rolls out and effortlessly can I mean, I'm not going to compare him and say he's, he's the next Aaron Rodgers, but he had that type of comfort rolling around looking for somebody to throw to left or right um, and that kind of that poise in the mobility factor uh, poise when he's mobile I'll say uh, he he just again that was something that I didn't really see a lot of a film on him from North Carolina so they showed some good things these rookies but almost all of them other than the poor Joshua Dobbs from Pittsburgh all of them were doing this against 
mostly third stringers late in games. So they're surrounded by third stringers themselves going against third stringers, most of whom aren't going to be employed in the NFL come September. Um, But that poor Josh Dobbs started for the Steelers and was uh, was as dreadful as you'd expect. Um, Let me ask you about uh, the Bills trades. Uh, You cover Mm -hmm. that team, obviously. We have not spoken since uh, the deal with the Rams and the deal with the Eagles. What do you think? Building for the future. I mean... It's, I don't see how you can argue against it. They gave away the better receiver, Sammy Watkins, in these two trades uh, and got uh, Jordan Matthews back from Philadelphia um, and then got rid of the arguably the better cornerback mm-hmm. in Ronald Darby, especially in the system that he will be uh, will accent his abilities, the press man coverage. Mm-hmm. That's why the Bills got him uh, under the Rex Ryan regime is because that's what Rex plays. Well, that's what also what Jim Schwartz in Philadelphia plays, a press man, and he was going to be playing a loose zone under Sean McDermott's defense now with Buffalo. Didn't suit what he does. So he'll look better probably than he would have looked if he stayed in Buffalo this year. So, But then the Bills also get a second and a third round pick in, in making these positional swaps so Buffalo probably is going to win this trade in the long run. Short term this year, if you're looking, if you're a Bills fan, mm, not as good. Um, are fans in Buffalo patient enough to do this? They're perennially impatient. See, the thing that they well, we we always joke about is that you know they sell hope. They hit a reset button every two or three years yeah, since this yeah. drought started. So everyone, you know, that's how they ended up with record season ticket sales in the two Rex Ryan's years. Even eclipsed all, if you can believe it, all the Super Bowl years, sixty some odd thousand. Mm. So they just keep on snowballing this hope. Well, oh, this one didn't work, Doug Marone. Oh, good. We're on, well, we're on to Rex. Rex doesn't work. Well, we're on to McDermott. But I think now people are realizing that I'm not going to go as far as to say that this is the uh, the Pagulas, the owners of also the Sabers, are going to do uh, tank number two. But um, you can maybe make that argument and if they start dealing off any other uh, veteran. Uh, they're more talented veteran players and there aren't that many, but if they start making any more moves in the next month or two, then I think people are going to realize that that's exactly what they're doing. And it's not so much a talent thing, I guess, in my estimation, I think it's from the type of player that they want. They're looking for high-quality players. For instance, Jordan Matthews, the receiver they're getting from Philly, I mean, they, they're talking about the void he's leaving in the locker room, not not so much on the field, but... His, his leadership presence off it. These are the type of players I think the Bills are going to be willing to get rid of uh, guys who maybe uh, were hurt a lot. And I'm not questioning anything about Sammy Watkins' uh, uh, dedication or anything like that, but they seem to be wanting to get guys who max out in the off-field intangibles. That seems to me the type of team they want to build. Our guest is John Crick from Post Media and the Toronto Sun, uh, and whose family apparently is a curse for Jeannie Bouchard. <laughs> I heard you say that in the lead-up, and I just laughed. Yes, my niece, my brother Jason's daughter, she's nine years old, going to be ten next month. She walked out with Jeannie Bouchard before her match last week at York University uh, because my little niece is a little tennis phenom. She's one of the best U12 players in Ontario. Really? Nice. Yes, she is. I was going to ask um, you how she got that honor to walk out with, uh, with, uh, with a player of, of Jeannie's renown. 
Yeah, my brother would be able to explain better, but she was in some loop, Central Ontario loop, where she amassed the most points. So I think anybody under U10 last year, but she's also one. She goes in turns from the States and in Canada and has uh, either won them or come close to winning a lot of them against U12, girls that are, you know, a foot foot and a half taller than her. So she's, wow. a, she's a little tennis prodigy, and we're really proud that she went out there. Now, as I was jokingly saying that, and I'm happy to repeat, I think the honor was genies, but, you know, you have to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> well played, proud uncle. Nicely done. And uh, I mean, there's got to be a line in there about your niece actually winning. I mean, there's there's got to be a line in there, but I, I, I won't go there. Um, a, a more somber. Th- you were at a, a news conference today. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was down at Queens Park this morning uh, to announce a. Uh, Chris Nowinski, who's uh, who gets uh, a lot of publicity and rightly so for uh, co-founding the Concussion Legacy Foundation yeah. in America, yeah. they have a Canadian uh, arm of their own, uh, and they jointly announced with uh, MPP Lisa McLeod of Ottawa and the Stringer found family, uh, Gordon Kathleen, uh, their daughter uh, was the one who tragically died from suffering two concussions in the same week in Ottawa a few years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so they're trying to raise awareness with this new campaign to uh, get kids to, it's called Team Up Speak Up, and they're trying to get uh, all coaches, if they can do like a one-minute little reminder, to appeal to all kids and teammates in, in athletics, if you suspect a teammate might be concussed, to speak up. Nice. And we're actually seeing that even in, in the sport that I cover, the NFL, that the number of concussions reported has risen quite a bit over the last year or two. And one of the reasons they think is because teammates are more likely now to speak up and go to a trainer and say, hey, I think so-and-so might be concussed. I, so I assume you're going to be writing about this? Yes, I'll have story uh, up uh, hopefully online by early evening and in tomorrow's papers. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for doing this, sir. Thanks for saying so, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank I you. hope so. Thanks, John. John Crick joining us from uh, Toronto Sun and Post Media, taking a look at the NFL. And uh, lots going on, obviously, in camp, and uh, we'll continue monitoring that. I just I had to, to, to bust him a little bit on that, on that column. It was an interesting read. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, taking a look at what the rookie quarterbacks did in their first taste of NFL action, uh, albeit preseason, but just ranking them? I thought it was funny. I thought it was well played. So we just have a little fun there. Uh, coming up, Don Landry's going to drop by, and we will talk to uh, Don from CFL.ca about the Toronto Argonauts as we continue. You are listening to Toronto Today here on TSN 1050. <laughs> Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Mike Hogan in for Gareth Wheeler. Top of the hour, it will be the one, the only Scott MacArthur keeping you company, and he'll uh, he'll take you through the one till four time slot. Uh, before we bring on our uh, next guest, uh, a trade today in the Canadian Football League, uh, a big name NCAA player who came up here, and uh, a lot of folks thought would just uh, instantly become a star because he was a big time player in the NCAA. Vernon Adams. Uh, has been traded to Saskatchewan for uh, Tavon Campbell. Uh, so he goes back to Montreal. Vernon Adams just really hasn't uh, made it yet. But, uh, you know, uh, there, there's certainly a track record for him in Oregon. And who knows what happens now that he's uh, together with Mr. Jones in Regina. Uh, first up, though, get a little Argo talk. We can go around the CFL as well. Uh, our next guest uh, writes for CFL.ca and also is the, play, uh, the uh, public address announcer at the uh, Argo Games at BMO Field. Don Landry, have we have we met? Uh, I was I was trying to figure that one out too. Your voice sounds familiar to me, and I I did 
I knew a guy in Ottawa back in the late '80s named Mike Hogan. He was a bit of a dink, though. And, that would be him. Uh, yeah, that's so we have met. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. Yes, that's right. How um, are you? Very well. Uh, hopefully not as good as Ricky Ray. I'm hoping that 15 is upright and ready to go. Yeah. I haven't seen any reports from practice yet this morning uh, whether or not he was taking uh, most of the snaps. But, boy, um, I don't know if there's a team in the CFL that's counting on a player more than the Argos are counting on Ricky Ray. No, I think you're exactly right there. We all kind of thought that as uh, the preseason came into view and as the regular season started, even before Ricky Ray showed that um, his shoulder was fine and he was looking like the old Ricky Ray. We, you kind of looked at that Argo quarterback depth chart and thought uh, they'll go as far as they can with that guy at quarterback beyond that, not to say that they couldn't be successful, but you wouldn't bet on it, right? And so, and I think what we saw last uh, Friday night in Montreal it bears that out for sure. Uh, Jeff Matthews surprisingly disappointing uh, in the first half for uh, the Argos at quarterback. And Cody Fajardo, I Showed a little bit, don't you think, Hoagie? I mean, particularly on the ground and running and his toughness. Um, he didn't maybe show so much in the passing game, except for some flashes here and there. But if Ricky can't go, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Fajardo is going to start Saturday afternoon against Montreal, don't you think? I, I would think so. The most noticeable difference I saw between the two was actually the tempo. And, you know, it's very right. difficult to pick up a major switch in tempo from one half to another in a football game. But... When Fajardo came in, like they were just, there seemed to be a little bit more giddy up in their steps. And I don't know if that's because of what was said at halftime by the coaching staff or if one of the guys in the room got up and tore a strip off or what happened or if it was just, you know, Fajardo coming in and, and that's the way he plays. Uh, I, I'm of two minds on this because I think they're better. I think that Fajardo is better in there, but I want to see him throwing the football a little bit more. Uh, he yeah. took some pretty hard hits, and some of them he handed out by dropping the shoulder, which I never want to see from a quarterback. So I, I, I'm of two minds of this, but uh, I don't know if I'm really happy with the, the decision either way they go at this stage. Yeah, you know, it, well, yeah, I'm with you on that dropping the shoulder thing, but at least with the left shoulder, mm, right, Ogie? And yeah. when, he, when he blew up Tyree Holmes, oh, I know, I know. You can, you can be out anyway with a shoulder injury. It doesn't have to be your your throwing arm. Uh, I think that's the, the key difference for the Argos Saturday if Fajardo is at the helm is that they do need to get the passing game going a little bit better. Like I said, I thought he showed flashes here and there. Uh, he didn't look particularly sharp when he first got in there, um, but then he did have that, you know, rolling to his left and throwing back across his body into the end zone and a touchdown that was dropped by Khalil Payton, who's since been uh, released yeah. by the Argos folks uh, yeah. today. But so, like, that was a moment where you went, wow, that's kind of, uh, that was, shall I say, Calaris-esque. Sure. You know, it, it sure looked like that. So uh, the Owls are going to be ready, certainly, for the option of the quarterback to be running from the get-go. They'll prep for it this week. And so Fajardo, again, if he's in there and Ricky's not, he's going to have to be able to throw the ball better than he did Friday night against Montreal. Otherwise, they'll just they'll gobble him up this time, I and think. They'll have the full package in there. And I would just I would expect, to, certainly, when, the, when they're calling the first 15, when they have that script, you're going to see a little more play action. And why right. that might work is they were actually able to establish Brandon Whitaker this week, which is something they hadn't been able to do all season. And what, did, what did he have, like 90-some-odd yeah, yards? Yeah, just under like 100 that? yards, yeah. Yeah, and he ripped off some pretty good runs, and that, that was nice to see, wasn't it? Because uh, a lot of the uh, the Argo run game has been handoff, plow into the line, three yards, oh, maybe squirt for one or two more, to actually have some big holes opened up uh, and see Whitaker take advantage of those. That was a nice thing to see, and, and maybe that's a part of the game that the uh, Argos 
um, are going to be improving on from week to week. I guess we'll see what happens on Saturday afternoon, but it would sure be a boon if they can get Whitaker and James Wilder and Martise Jackson, who's in there every once in a while, get them some holes and get that Montreal defense on its heels a little bit uh, and, and worried about the run game, not just from the quarterback, but from anybody who might be standing in the backfield. Of course, that would be uh, something that the Argos could benefit from greatly. I will apologize to the listenership in advance for doing this, but uh, what's your nickname for Martise Jackson? <laughs> Is it not catching on? I just look at—I thought it was pretty good. The the Martise Falcon. The Martise Falcon. <laughs> and and you know, because look it up, Hoagie. Falcons are like the fastest. Did you know that the Falcons are the fastest birds on the planet? And I, I don't think it's like wing speed where they can just get velocity, but they dive and they dive at something ridiculous, like three hundred and forty kilometers an hour or something. So. He's fast. Yeah. Martise. Yeah. Martise Falcon. You okay. tell you're not going to use that? You're uh, not going to use that? I haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did it in an article for Argonauts.ca. Yeah, I know. Oh, and I was guess. very yeah. quick to credit you for that. <laughs> Discredit me for it is more like it, I think. Is yeah, that so I just, I'll leave that up to the, I actually to the called reader. You, a couple of games ago at BMO Field, I will admit this, uh, because, uh, because I liked the nickname, and I was waiting for him to rip one off. And um, instead of saying, you know, uh, returned by uh, Martise Jackson, I actually said returned by Martise Falcon. And the guys in the booth looked at me like, what did she just say? <laughs> I went, well, I guess I'm just so keen on that nickname taking off that I threw it in there. Did anybody catch it? Not like, that you... I know of. Because I, I immediately went to, well, you know, in the next break I went to Twitter to go, all right, who's in the stands is going to rip me for that? Nobody. Not a word. So either they really like it, Hoagie, or they just, you know, didn't catch. I'll wait for the t-shirts to come out. Uh, Don Landry <laughs> joining us from CFL.ca and the PA Voice. Uh, obviously, uh, if you didn't know before, after that story you do, uh, down at BMO Field for the Argos. Um, can they win with either one of those quarterbacks starting? And, and, and if so, how? I believe they can. I want to ask you the same question. Um, and uh, I think the defense needs to play a little better. And can, we saw that earlier in the season, boy, it would be helpful if they got some of those guys back off the injured list, though, wouldn't it, Hogan? Oh, my goodness. I mean, when you're you're talking about Cleon Lang, who I think still is underrated. Yeah, many people watch CFL and they think he's a pretty good player. He's a really good player on the interior of that defensive line. And then Victor Butler, who just, you know, was super rookie in his first year, obviously with a lot of NFL experiences. You know, we kind of smile when we call these guys rookies. But you get guys like that back, if you can get Jermaine Gabriel back in the lineup, back at safety. Uh, but I still think that they have enough. And Johnny Sears, I guess, who's missed a couple yeah. of games, uh, if they can get his veteran presence back there, too. I think they can play better defensively. And I, I don't think they were horrible defensively on Friday night. So maybe that's, um, you know, maybe I should be more fair to the defense. They did play pretty decently, I suppose. And, and, and also, Mike, they've got to get rid of those penalties, right? The procedure yeah. calls, the, you know, the blocking calls, hands to the face that take a touchdown off the board, that sort of thing. So play more cleanly. But yeah, I, I think they can because uh, they already showed that they can keep Montreal's offense at bay. They did in the second half, only three points. And so if they get that kind of an effort again, move the ball a little bit, got home field, and uh, that place can be pretty raucous, BMO Field. It's fun to listen to the fans stomp on those stands and get loud when necessary. And so, yeah, I think they can pull it off. You? Um, I hope so, obviously. Um, it's going to take a better, cleaner effort. I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of penalties. Um, the other thing is, 
it'll help if Ricky's back. We don't know yet if that's right. going to be the case. And I think it would even help with a full week of practice for if it's going to be Fajardo at QB1. Give him the full week. Like give give him all of the reps. Get him in there. Just 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 get the timing down with some of the receivers. Um, I think that could, that's that's a big part of this. And as you mentioned, it'll be interesting to see who comes off the sixth game. Um, the fact that they've been yeah. able to do this without Bishop. The other guy that gets uh, sorry uh, without Butler, but the guy that gets uh, under or overlooked. And you mentioned Lang is the other guy next to him is Ken Bishop. Um, oh yeah. I don't, I don't know how many double teams this guy takes. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's taking up two bodies when he's in there, or Lang is, and when they're doing that, well, that's that's good news for Mr. Lemon or Mr. Butler or whomever else is hap, happens to be on the outside at the time. Um, those guys, the defensive tackles, never get their props because they're playing in the middle and nobody ever sees them. But yes. they were they were getting they were getting penetration from the tackles on a regular basis. Even Finley's doing it now uh, as a yeah, backup. Yeah, he looks pretty good. He, I'm glad you mentioned Jeff Finley because he's been a night. He's he looked pretty good in there uh, for clean on, like, hasn't he? And, uh, I don't know how many sacks he has. He's three or four. He has somewhere. four. He had two and three years total in Montreal, and they were both yeah. in, in playoffs. Like He had no regular season sacks in limited action, obviously, in Montreal. Uh, but a kid from uh, University of Guelph, a St. Catharines kid, comes in here, pumped to come home to Ontario, and he's been, he's been so good. I didn't know if he could do that at this level like i saw him play a lot at the oua level and it's a lot different obviously from one level to the other but you could there was always a high motor there and yeah. boy that's that's what you're getting here and he's got four already in, in limited action and probably should have a couple more just guys who were, were just kind of eluding him at the last second he's been of all of the surprises this year he's been as as big a surprise and as happy a surprise as somebody who likes watching oua football as i can imagine yeah, I'm with you there, and uh, the Argos have good depth at that defensive tackle uh, position when it comes to uh, Canadians, don't they? I mean, if they, if Daryl Wad could stay yeah. off the injured list, unfortunately, yeah. because he started to bust uh, through. We've already mentioned Cleon Lang and Finley, and then they bring in Lyndon Gaydosh. Yeah. He's traveled around a little bit, and we'll see what they can get out of him. Uh, the other thing, you know, to not talk about Canadians and said, but, uh, but uh, you know, Americans are imports or internationals now, as they call them in the CFL. They get Alan Michael Cash mm-hmm. on the interior of that defensive line. And it looks like he's real close, and maybe he'll be in the lineup this Saturday. Uh, you couldn't expect him to be as sharp as he possibly could if it's going to be his first start of the season. But still, he's a difference maker and, and might be able to provide something immediately uh, and then just get better as the weeks go on. All you need to know is when Bear Woods uh, was named the Eastern uh, Division Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, when he uh, when he did sort of his speech to the media each year, the first guy that he thanked was Alan Michael Cash. Yeah. Not all of his teammates, not his coordinator, not his head coach. He thanked the guy playing in front of him on the nose. So important to, to have a clear view from the middle of that linebacking the core and to get the proper blocks and seals from the guys up front so then you can cancel the gap you're expecting to cancel right as a middle linebacker and so obviously alan michael cash did that for bear woods and you would expect to see the same from him and actually you know bear woods has got a good season in toronto going so um the guys we've already talked about they've been doing their job and in that vein as well, too, haven't they? Final question. There are many in this town that don't have, uh, haven't been bitten by the same bug we've been bitten by when it comes to Canadian football. What would you, what would you uh, advise somebody who's listening right now and goes, that's the CFL, why are they talking about this crap? Uh, what would your advice be to them? Well, one, it's, it's not crap. You're just flat out wrong. Like, I, I get it. If you, you know, love the NFL, uh, fine, so do I. 
you know, and so does Hokie. We watch uh, constantly football. Um, but if you're of the mind that if it's not the NFL, it's crap, uh, you're just wrong. Like, you, you've misread what the CFL is. You're being unfair to it. It's not. If, if it's not the NFL and it's not the NFL, uh, the gap between those two leagues is not nearly as large as you make it out to be. Stop saying the CFL sucks because you don't know what you're talking about or you haven't watched closely or you are just willfully blind. Having said that, I you know I, I, I respect anybody's decision, but uh, it's just look at it's just not nearly what you're saying it is. If you're one of those anti CFL people, you just you're you're just flat out wrong about it, and uh, and you should watch a little bit more of it. If you want to be considered a football connoisseur, uh, then you watch a lot of different kinds of football, and uh, and you can get uh, enjoyment out of all of them. Very well put. Uh, the last thing, I think we should uh, come up with some sort of class action lawsuit against Lady Gaga for using the term monsters. What do you think? <laughs> that... Yeah, well, yeah. Um, There's that. Uh, there was a certain amount of Gaga-ness going on when the monsters of the, yeah, of the midday were uh, on as well, so maybe there'd be a countersuit there, too. Yeah, but, that's true, uh, too. Yeah, it's nice to be on the radio with you again, Mike. It's been a long it time. It has been. Uh, always good catching up to you, and we'll see you on Saturday. All right, sir. See you then. Thank you, Don. Don Landry joining us, the uh, public address announcer at BMO Field for the Argos. And, of course, you can read his his, his early week column. I can't remember if it gets out on Monday or Tuesday, but when he the things that he looks at in the CFL is a very entertaining read. When we come back, we'll uh, get you ready for the arrival of Scott MacArthur as we continue here on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Twelve forty nine. It's Toronto today. Mike Hogan with you. This is TSN ten fifty. Scott MacArthur in at the top of the hour. We'll be talking about some of these Giancarlo Stanton rumors. Giancarlo. Um, Joe Narsa is our producer today. We have a, uh, a poll question. Also, uh, Joe shares the sickness that I have had for way too many years of being an Eagles fan. And you know if you see somebody, I, I just uh, on the break, put up United States Trends on Twitter. And uh, one of them says, one of the uh, trending topics is Ryan Matthews. Ryan Matthews was cleared to play, and the Eagles cut him. <laughs> as soon as he was cleared to play. Interesting. So there's a running back out there, fairly physical running back out there now, if somebody's looking forward to that in the... Uh, uh, in the world of fantasy or in the real world, more importantly. that surprise you at all? Not really. Why not? He just, when Ryan Matthews was in the lineup, he was a little bit fumble prone. Mm-hmm. And he just wasn't impactful. I mean, I think he had that one game with the two touchdowns, but he had, I think, 30 yards in it. Darren Sproles seemed to be more impactful when he was in the lineup in comparison to Matthews. And now with LeGarrette Blunt, you actually yeah. have the physical runner that can play, you know, the first two, maybe three snaps, depending on, you know, where you are on the field. And you still have Wendell Smallwood on the roster as well. So you've got some depth. Um, you can't play Sproles every down. You can't play him every down at running back uh, because he'll get killed at that size and that age. So you can't be doing that. Um, but LeGarrette Blount was, was a guy who's, uh, you know, he's if he's not 30, he's really close. And he's also a load at 240 or whatever he's going to be playing at this year. He's just a very big man. So they've got that that sort of thunder and lightning thing going, right, with the with the bigger blunt and the smaller sprawls. So is it enough? 
I don't know, but uh, it's 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 going to save them four mil on the salary cap, I believe. So that'll help. Anyway, uh, the poll question of the day, sir, was. We asked, which Raptors home game are you marking on your calendar as a must-watch in the 2017-2018 season? And the options were the Golden State Warriors on the 13th of January, the Cavaliers on the 11th of January, Celtics February 6th, or the OKC Thunder on March 18th. Mm -hmm. And the G-State Warriors, Dub Nation, 34%. They're in the lead. Cavs in second. Celtics in third, Thunder in last. What was what was it was thirty four percent for the winner. What was second? What were the Cavs? Thirty two. The Cavs are oh, still so it was close. Yeah, okay. but Scrizz made a good point. It's going to be interesting to see what the Cavs look like. I think that's going to be the most exciting part of watching the Cavaliers outside of you know Toronto's rivalry with the town. But, but don't as a Raptor fan, don't you just want to see Cleveland self destruct and hope that this. Kyrie Irving thing translates into poor play on the court and dissension in the ranks off the court. Like that's what you hope for, isn't it? Well, that's going to be their best chance of continuing to improve as for the Raptors essentially because they can't be a super team. Yeah. No, there are some there are some instances historically where teams have been able to do that. The the Yankees of the 70s there were fist fights in the shower. Like they just they there were guys who just couldn't stand one another and they went out and they won back-to-back World Series titles. Um you know, that can happen where guys, you know, what, what's the old line? Uh, there were baseball teams that would leave the stadium in 25 different cabs. They just they wouldn't go out and hang out afterwards, and, and nobody cared. They just, as long as they could go out and win. And with Cleveland, who knows what happens. Um, as long as they can get along on the court, and LeBron can play with anybody. He's just put him in any aspect. He can he can be the scorer. He can play outside. He can play inside. He can distribute. He can do all of that stuff. As long as you have LeBron, you've got a puncher's chance of winning the East. One man show in the playoffs. So uh, a better. I think they're a better team with Kyrie Irving. Depending on what they could get for him, I don't know what you could get for him at this stage because your options are limited, right? He wants to go to a team where he's going to be the star. Okay, well we can't uh, we can't trade him to Golden State because he's going to be you know seventh guy on that team, um, it might be difficult to find a fit and a team that's willing to give Cleveland back enough to make up for the loss of Kyrie Irving. Guy can still play. Like, there's no question about that. And uh, Bobby Webster is the general manager of the Raps, and he talked about Kyrie Irving today on the morning show. Definitely. You know, we, we, all, we all do our due diligence, and, and um, you know, things don't always make sense, but if they do, we're, we're always prepared, and, and that's a lot of the talk that we do that you know doesn't necessarily see the light of day that happens behind closed doors um so um you know we're in touch with all the teams and and obviously a player like that becomes available um you know you'd be remiss not to not to not to call those guys kind of chuckling because they were saying that's that's uh, an incredibly politically correct answer. So they, they they got him on that one. But, you know, it is what it is, and it's difficult to talk about a guy when he's on another team, but uh, at least he did. And I don't I just don't know where Kyrie Irving would go. And, you know, he wants to win, and he wants to be the guy. Okay, you'd be the guy in New York, but you're not going to win. You could be the guy in Brooklyn, but you're not going to win. Like, where is he going to go where he can fulfill his dream of leading a team to an NBA championship? And to be honest, is he good enough to lead a team to an NBA championship? But don't get me wrong. I love Kyrie Irving. I love watching him play. Uh, I love it when they beat him, or I love it when, out, when Lowry outplays him. But I've always loved watching him just go out and play. 
He's a fun guy. The Uncle Drew stuff was fun, right? Is he is who he is? But he's not going to get his way in this one. I don't know what happens. Minnesota. Is he going to be the guy? He's not going to be the guy in Minnesota. They got towns. They or who else would go the other way? You'd have to send probably Rubio and Wiggins back. I'm not doing that. They got Jeff Teague there too, right? So. I'm not. Tra- I'm not. Tra- I'm not trading Wiggins for him even up. Let alone throw in Rubio. I don't know. For Kyrie Irving. He's pretty good. They're only a couple years apart. It's not, like, it's not like Irving's 30. I know. I understood. But at the same time, what you need in what you would need in Minnesota, you're just, I think you're just stepping back there because you'd be losing uh, a guy in Wiggins and just replacing your point guard. Now you'd be improving a point guard. And then is Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler enough? With Towns? With Towns. Well, yeah. Is that enough? <laughs> It's Especially in the way Jeff the league is built. East, in the East, they're now all of a sudden in the conversation. Or sorry, in the West, they're not in the conversation. That's the problem. Yeah. So, it's still a long way away. But, so you've got, he's got to go to the East, is what Kyrie has to do. Because whoever he goes to, they're not going to beat Golden State. And he's not going to be the guy to get them there. Okay, trade him to Oklahoma City. He's not the guy there. He's far from being the guy there. He's in the same situation he'd be in in Cleveland. Then he's got to go to Phoenix. But he's not going to win there. We're running out of teams, exactly. aren't we? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we got to fly. Thanks for doing this, boys. It's uh, Michael Skrzniak, our technical director. Our producer is Joe Narsa. Stick around. Scotty Mack talking some baseball, uh, among other things, as we continue with uh, the programming day here on TSN 1050.